this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome, welcome to another Woke Bros. We have returns. Waz is hydrated. I'll explain that in a second. He's with me, along with the esteemed junior evil genius, Rob Lopez. Waz, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you, brother? I'm good. I'm a little, I'm, I'm just tired, <laughs> but I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to... As soon as we bank this, I'm probably gonna lay down. <laughs> but I'm, I'm good, man. I'm glad. I'm glad to be back on another expedition with you guys. Uh, we got a lot to hit on uh, this week's episode. As always, we're gonna do a little bit of a, a a recap of the TMBS LA live show, which was an incredible success. We've also got to talk about the 25 year anniversary of Nas's Illmatic, and we're going to get into some of the bar testimony uh, and how the media might have misplayed that out of the gate. And then if we have time, and I hope we do, we're going to roast Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg <laughs> because, Jesus, whew, I really don't like those guys. But Waz, um, tell them about Chicago first. 
Coming up on May 18th in the great state of Illinois, CTD Count the Dings will be live on stage. Myself, Black Trey, Amin El Hassan, Zach Harper, Tom Habistro, the evil producer Jade Hoy, Nitsan Bluestein, Eden Lynn. Uh, Anthony Mays, the entire crew, the cast of characters, if I'm missing anybody, is because my memory is shot. I'm washed. Uh, man, tickets are still on sale at counterdings.com. Go right over there to, to grab those. Uh, right now, we got the legendary J.A. Adande booked as a guest, man. You know, he's one of the biggest, brightest ever in the history of the sports media thing. So I'm really excited about having him. We got a few other guests in the works, man. You don't want to miss it. Every show has been better than the last. This one promises to be no different. Uh, May 18th at the Lincoln Hall in Chicago, Illinois. Counter Dings Live. Get your tickets at counterdings.com. And of course, get uh, join The Athletic. Uh, subscribe to all the feeds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Out. You got to join The Athletic. Now, yeah. uh, that, that that goes without saying. I'm not going to lie. We've seen some of the internal memos. P- people are pretty excited of what we've been able to do over there. A lot of people uh, thought we might get more corporate and buttoned up and, you know, maybe lose a little bit of the luster, a little bit of the edge. No, nah, no, no, no. It's only gotten edgier. It's only of gotten luster. Of course. <laughs> of course. And yeah, a subscribe. Sure. If you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed to the Black Opinions Matter feed or written us a review, come on, correct yeah. that. Find me at patreon.com slash TMBS or subscribe on iTunes to The Michael Brooks Show or on YouTube where you can watch the full shows and a bunch of great, excellent, global, clickable content. Um, first of all, Waz, thank you for doing, along with the TMBS gang, and the great Anda Kasparian and the great Nando Vila, you were obviously an indispensable and central part of the L.A. live show at the Bootleg Theater, the Michael Brooks live show. Man, that was a great accomplishment. The energy was amazing, man. No, it was it was it was incredible. Uh, I'm not going to lie. And I appreciate the kind words, Michael. I had. The time of my life, I was honored to be a guest on the panel because, you know, obviously I'm connected to what you guys are doing. You and Matt Leck and Grishkum and all and the whole crew. Uh, it was just an amazing time to connect with like the TMBS community because I haven't been able, I didn't get a chance to go to the to the New York show. So to connect with your community um, out in LA was incredible. One of your fans handed me and my girlfriend a bag of avocados freshly yes. picked from his own garden. I just Thank thought you, that sir. was so amazing. Amazing. Um, I got a Santa Monica, California souvenir from another nice young young woman. Yes. I forget, actually forget her name right now, but thank you for that. Uh, I just it was just an incredible time. It's always dope. What I think is the dopest thing about these live experiences, Mike, is the opportunity to connect with the people, right? Like the people who are listening to you and supporting you. And like, you know, and I tell people all the time, sometimes it can feel like you're just speaking into the void, right? And like, who, like, does any of this shit that I'm doing even matter? So it's like, it's an awesome reminder when you get to get out and do one of these live events and connect with the people who you're actually, you know, making a true connection with. It's it's incredible, man. There's no feeling, there's no words that can describe the feeling. Absolutely. And you do feel like, you know, and what it is, at least I know to, you know, people like us, you're meeting your peers, you're meeting your friends, like, you don't, you know, 
this ha- just happens to be this kind of like funny setup that we're meeting this way where we're up on stage because that's what we do. But you just meet so many people from every single walk of life that know so much more <laughs> than we do. And you learn so much from uh, with all of the various things they were doing. Uh, you know, we hit everything from Nipsey Hustle to U.S. interference and Latin American politics. We played who said it, Mark Cuban or Mussolini. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm also glad, you know, because obviously also, you know, Anna and Nando both are very good friends of mine. And we all, you know, we all got dinner and I was really glad, yep. uh, you know, to expand the circle and connect a lot of people that I respect a lot and that are really important to me. Also, wise, you got lit as fuck, man. Oh, man. Yeah, it was, you know, <laughs> the thing, <laughs> the thing is, because I've been reprimanded numerous times oh, at uh, at uh, Count the Ding shows Ooh. about my, you know, lubrication level. So I was like, shit, this ain't a Count the Ding show. So I might as well let it all hang out, man. Wait, Somehow so you we save it for the Marxist show of course Uh, you get you get reprimanded on (laughs) like what should the next gm do for being lit or like like what would what would you do if you matched with Issa ray on tinder that's what you stay sober for yeah you get drunk out of your mind for the bureau of labor statistics are misleading us about the true nature of inequality in this country (laughs) When did, when, did the, uh, when did the wheels start getting greased for Waz? I'm curious. Pre, well, during, is, or post-show? Well, I went Rob, to Jennifer. I, well, uh, Waz, may I? Go ahead. Because I don't know. Actually, I mean, actually, before I do, I mean, do you remember? Of course. I went to dinner before. Me, me and my girlfriend went to dinner uh, somewhere in Silver Lake, not far from where we had dinner right. the night before. Right. Uh, it's the people that do John and Vinny's, I think. They have a restaurant out there. So we went to check that out. And yeah, I, yeah, we had a bottle of wine at dinner. Nothing crazy. Right, so here's so here's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> all right, so here's how it goes. All right, Rob, Rob, and I hope you have all appropriate sound effects. So I'm in my mode, right? I'm suited. Got like the the blue suit, the white shirt, the <laughs> brown leather shoe. Just you know, it's time, right? And and I'm not gonna lie, like I was a little like I I, I FaceTimed uh, with my girlfriend for a second in the Uber. I was, you know, it's always it's not like you're nervous before you do these things, but you're you know the the adrenaline's up a little bit. Like I even and I never do this. Like I even had a little like I I had a ciggy before the show. So I'm like, all right, but this is gonna be good. And then, you know, Anna comes in and she's, you know, ready. And her husband, we met him. That He's a great guy. You know, Nando. And like everybody's – and then Waz comes in. And, of course, it's all love and all excitement. And the first thing Waz does, and I'm not going to get into detail here, <laughs> but he brings up like an inside of an inside of an inside joke. That's – by the way, that's how beautiful – this friendship was that formed between the four of us. Oh, I'm just like, now thinking about that. We already now. have this <laughs> fucked up inside joke going. <laughs> and I'm not going to go into any detail about it. All I could say is that if you, particularly if you were from a certain background, <laughs> I find this joke offensive. 
<laughs> Which is why I wanted to bring it up again because it was fantastic. You, of course. <laughs> now, I've met Waz's girl once before. I thought we had a very nice rapport. She's cool. It's great, right? Waz proceeds to immediately be like, yo, I caught the text thread. Well, y'all continue to do that. Because Nando and I got drunk and we just <laughs> yeah. kept blowing up the group text with the same yes. joke for like an hour following the dinner. This is the problem. I went home and went to sleep and right. I woke up to the thread and I just started dying again. I just started dying. Like I was just... It was hilarious. I'm sorry. So, you know, you got to watch. Watch me and Nando on last uh, on the TMBS live stream because I kept, all I'll say is I kept saying, so would you would you say that they were being progressive, Nando? <laughs> but, uh, but so this joke happens to, so anyways, all of a sudden this, this woman that I've, you know, I'm, I'm cool with, I haven't talked to that much, but we met in Brooklyn at the, Count the Ding show that I was on, and it's great. All of a sudden, she's giving me the like, that is not funny. (laughs) Shit. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, what's minutes before I get on stage? And okay, so I was like, all right, so far, so good, whatever. Waz is a pain in the ass. He could (laughs) have been drinking mineral water all day and done the same shit. Doesn't matter. So then we get out, (laughs) we get out on stage, and Waz, man, Waz cleans up the first panel because that's how we do it. It's like each individual uh, panelist has an individual panel with us. And then everybody comes out on stage. Waz is the first guest. Waz kills it and become a patron of my show. You can watch the video of it, right? Then Waz proceeds to go and sit down in the front row in the same row as my sister, my beloved sister. And you just notice as the show goes on, like, oh, okay. Waz is actually about to urinate on himself. <laughs> like, just, it's not true. Not, you know, not literally, you just, ladies and gentlemen. Your heckling gets so fucking extra. And by the way, I'm just going to put this on the table. And this, I know that this will raise a lot of eyebrows. But especially in like a, you know, certain part of a lefty political environment, and not at my show because, you know, it's a fun-loving show and people are not uptight and they're having fun and it's cool. But Waz uses some of his relative black privilege to get pretty problematic with the humor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a go-to. That's a go That's shock value, Michael. Yeah, I can say that. Yeah, it, no, it Silence me, liberal white people. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? Um, first of all, I just want to say, like, Anna and Nando are, like, two of the smartest people I've ever talked to. Um, Anna particularly, like, she's a very inspiring, like, woman. Like, she's a firebrand out there. She is, like, she has principles. She has morals. She believes in all the right shit. And I like that she's at the, on the front lines of what people like myself and Michael are trying to accomplish, like, these are dope-ass people, right? But at the same time, at the same time, like, I already knew what the direction of a conversation with Anna and Mike is going to go, or a conversation with Mike and Nando is going to go. Like, it's going to be serious, right? And by the way, (laughs) 
Like, these people do serious shit every day. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mike's show is serious as hell. Majority is serious, you know? Yo, the Young yeah, Turks is as funny as fuck was. Don't, don't misrepresent the brands. It's not. No, of course it's funny. <laughs> of course it's always funny. But y'all are si- dead serious about what y'all talking about. Right. At the live show, it's like, do we need three panelists for me to talk about the ills of the inner community of Los Angeles, California, <laughs> and Brownsville, Brooklyn? Like, I mean, I guess some people would have enjoyed that. I just thought it'd be more fun to talk about maybe having sex with Ann Coulter. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I didn't say that. I didn't say that, y'all. I didn't say that. You know what I love? You know what my favorite moment was? And also, by the way, Rob, to more specifically answer your question, I knew Waz was fucked up, but when I knew... And by the way, when I say piss yourself, those are my sister's words, not to put her out, but... That's that's co-signed reporting from a source that I trust a lot, Waz. Yeah. So so when Nando comes out, Waz keeps throwing names because I said to Waz, like, and again, I don't apologize for this. But every time I hear a black guy say that Ann Coulter, I'm like, really? Like, wow. Like, she's attractive. Any blonde will do. And Waz just keeps adding. He's just like, it's going to be Kelly and Conway in a minute. (laughs) And then by the time Nando gets out, he goes, it could be Huckabee too. (laughs) Whereupon the whole crowd is shocked. And then I love Nando. Nando's leaning back in his denim and Nando's just like, oh yeah, which one? <laughs> exactly. The, the mom or the daughter. Exactly. No, he meant he the can, father or the understands. daughter, my dude. Oh, he, oh, the father, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Nando knows the vibes, man. Yes, he does. So then Waz got up for the final segment and he did the complete cycle where first he was belligerent as fuck, talking over Matt Leck. Talking all sorts of spicy. <laughs> then he did the most heartfelt, touching tribute to our friendship. I almost teared up. <laughs> and he said something else obnoxious as fuck. And then he paused and he's just like, oh, my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the people seem to be enjoying it, man. Oh, they loved it, dude. And, and that's the thing. It. So this is the thing, right? Like sometimes you get a crowd... I remember when we did Las Vegas, it was like a really super small room. And for whatever reason, the crowd was just like a lot of nervous energy. You know, I think because it's like small, like some people are afraid to not laugh too loud and be like seen as laughing too loud or reacting. So there was a lot of it's like different when you get that type of. When you get the type of feedback, whereas like in New York, where people are just like yelling at you back, <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? Like, that's just what it's gonna be. Like I gave off a few of the a few of the crazy takes, and then the people responded. So I was like, whatever. Like we we dissed. I, I remember dissing the 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 farm the table folks in the oh. Pacific Northwest. <laughs> like that it was, was great. <laughs> Michael, these are who created farm to table. I was like, I'll say, you know, another one, it was low key, but when Nando went after Cory Booker, because I forgot, he said that Cory Booker said, because we talked about the travesty of Cory Booker dating Rosario Dawson, which is just disgusting. And 
And he said that Cory Booker like said something like, you know, something to the effect of like, well, we're seeing each other, but I, you know, we're not like a couple or, you know, some shit like that. And Nando was like, so I think what he's doing is he's making a play to that fucking annoying polyamory community. And I saw like oh. the front rows like, boo, boo, like this is LA. Like, no, fuck you. Wait, yeah. hold on. They they were booing because they perceived it as a slight to polyamorous? Oh, yeah. Not the, oh, not the, not the, not the polyamory scene. There was a I must have been triggered tequila when that happened. Oh, oh dude. In the green know, room. I tell you, man, LA was a lot more like, yeah. Brooklyn People was getting great. after it. Yo, Brooklyn was a great show. Excellent show. And, you know, things just improve, obviously, each time you do it. And it was Brooklyn. So we, had, you know, some guys did like a 9 11 truther thing. Like, but you expect that in Brooklyn. I did not expect, like, LA was, they were lit. They were ready to go. I did not, I mean, I love LA actually, but I, I you know, the stereotype is more laid back. They yeah, were, no, it's not this crowd. Yeah, and I think that's what I, I was just going off for the energy, honestly, man. Like, um, I definitely had a good time, and I definitely was far less than sober. But if, if like, if I recount like my more unsober moments, that wouldn't even that wouldn't even rank. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I was having fun I just worried, and the thing is, it's just like you want the people to enjoy themselves, to feel like they're experiencing something different. Because yeah. again, like they listen to our shows all the fucking time. You know what I'm saying? Like they know what to right. expect from us. So it's nice to like throw some little ridiculousness in there. It's always fun to do that. I, I enjoyed no, myself. Beautiful. I thought everybody you said to me too. You like you like you said the last thing I'll say is another classic. Because what was funny too, I think what added to it was that I genuinely like I thought it was hilarious. So there was like there wasn't any tension about it on stage, which I think also lets people just enjoy it. But he was fucking he looks at me, he's like, he's like, you know what's great about this is that, like, Mike's like my personal friend, so I could just ruin his show and he's got to take it. <laughs> right, like, even if I do fuck it up, oh, well, that's that's just what happens, man. Sometimes, that's just what happens. That's just how life Sometimes your friends out. show up drunk to your birthday party. It happens. <laughs> God knows it's happened to me. <laughs> yes. Fair point. Maybe I was the culprit. Rob, guys are terrible at taking care of their health, man. Whether it's a knee injury, a back injury, or something even worse, guys are usually more comfortable just rubbing some dirt on it. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Can you even believe that? Something that important? Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for erectile dysfunction online. Roman is a one-stop shop where you can get where you can chat with a licensed U.S. physician who can treat ED and, if safe and appropriate, ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, no awkward face-to-face -face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com BOM, complete an online visit, chat with a doctor, and if the doctor decides that it would be safe and appropriate, they'll shift the genuine medication right to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, 
go online and get checked by the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle, but with Roman, it's really simple. So take care of it, man. Seriously, your lady's going to appreciate this. Or your guy, you know. Who knows? <laughs> For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M. That's GetRoman.com slash B-O-M. For a free online visit, GetRoman.com slash B-O-M. Keep it on and on and on and on and You know what I'm saying? Big Nas, Grand Wizard. What is it like? Nas. It's, it's like I said, he's our, he's our, one of our saviors now. He's he's gonna blow a lot of people's mind when that album drops. It's just his lyrics are just I, I can't even explain. It's just dope. The way he comes with his ideas and the way he hits it, you know what I'm saying? It's clearly poetry. I mean, with all the producers that we have on the album, you know, Nas himself, you know, that's hip hop. Let's talk a little bit. I do want to, we want to touch on this. You know, obviously this is very much a culture show. Uh, 25th year anniversary of the release of Illmatic. I think regardless of my Nas fandom, and actually, you know, while I, I'm, a, I'm an ardent defender of Nas as a lyricist, like I, ju- I just – I don't buy critiques of his lyricism, right? To me, it just seems right. like bullshit. Like that's the stupid. Dude, yeah, that's dope. Yeah, dude, <laughs> in my view, best lyricist ever. Yeah, I, I, and that's not – like I, to me, that's a matter of taste. Like no – if you're going to say like Nas doesn't have a right – to the throne or the the belt, the title of best lyricist ever. You, you just don't know much about rap lyrics, in my right. opinion. So it's and and I'm saying like he's in the right. So to me and and you know and at the, by the same token, if somebody said, "Oh, I think Biggie or whatever," then it's like, okay, well, obviously, yeah, that's, that's fine. A, that's a great claim too. But if you're gonna kind of try to argue about Nas's lyricism, ridiculous. Nas's production choices, Nas's, um, you know, sort of going in between just ridiculously rejecting versus trying to like pathetically follow trends. Like we know the problems in his career, but I do think that Illmatic, like it is amazing. I mean, cause you know, all, all of those classic nineties albums, like they do hold up right in different ways for sure. I find like, and I also will say, I will say, I think it was written as incredibly underrated. I think that that's also an excellent album. Too. Yeah, it got shit on at the time because the backpackers was like, oh, he's following the bad boy model with the Willie talk into this. The no, backpackers was, were mad, but the music was actually fucking phenomenal. No, the music was fucking phenomenal. And I think what they're missing, and I want to draw a thread here, is that I think both of those, you know, in different ways, because he's telling different stories, but. What hits me is just how cinematic both of those albums are. Like what blows my mind is that re-listening to Illmatic still is like, in that case, maybe like watching like different vignettes. Um, It's so textured and detailed. And I also want to say too, just one, 
defense, because again, I don't, you know, I, I'll argue like I don't think of Nas as a backpacker rapper, right? I'll argue that all day because I think we all know that backpacker now is just kind of like, you know, it's just basically annoying white people that like to <laughs> West, you know, like I don't I mean, like, it's that. It's, 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 it, 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 there's many layers to the, Annoyances, well, not the annoyances, but the annoyingness, annoyingness of backpack people. It's not just that crowd. It's, there's a huge black contingent in that thing, too. These quote unquote underground hip hop fans, whatever. I mean, whatever. Just the idea that Nas could be underground is hilarious to me, but please continue. No, I, 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 I agree with all of that. And I'll, you know, I'll argue that all day. But one thing that I do, I think is really interesting, and I will. I want to specifically identify myself from the perspective of like, you know, 13, 14 years old, my family left New York, we're in fucking, not even really the suburbs, like rural, weird, hippie Massachusetts, like, and, and honestly, in general, like not just the music I'm listening to, the books I'm reading, the movies I'm watching, the sports I'm watching. I just want to get back to New York, right? I felt like my family had gone to exile in Siberia. And what I noticed, that what, what is so fascinating about Elmatic, and again, I, it, it's – again, if you listen to Biggie or somebody with like a more mature ear, you can see that you know he's not just quote-unquote glorifying. He's – it's a very realistic. Oh it's my God, ready Google. to die. No, yeah. I don't think there's a single glorification on that thing. That shit is pain. <laughs> that shit is ex- precise without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, and I think also, and I think with, I get, I guess what, what are the distinction I'm trying to draw that's so interesting about Elmatic was the way that that was the first record I listened to where the, the position that he was rapping from was not either like, you know, like, you know, backpacker, right? Like we need to motivate ourselves to do better. Nah. You know, like, and then on the other hand, he wasn't, um, you actually realize like a lot of his perspective was probably very accurate in the sense that like, this is where I grew up. These are my social circles. This is what my friends do. And I'm actually already in a position where essentially I'm a writer, artist, observer, and chronicler of this. And and I think what really hit me, you know, and I think hit a lot of people in a in a very broad way. Like the reason it does get you know compared to like the Battle of Algiers or the Wire or all of these other like you know pieces that deal with colonialism and racism is first of all how specific and detailed and structured like when he talks about housing police and yep comparing their eviction notices to the notices against Jews to move out of their houses i mean that is fucking visceral that was like the type yeah. of thing i need to look that up <laughs> right there was also the way that you know and and there was this real like Oh, okay. Like this is, you know, here's here is definitely a character, and maybe this is where the part of the backpacker case against him comes from, where it's like, this is, but but it's also really valuable. Like this is the dude who, if frankly he was in some college town, would just be like elevated for the artistry and the brilliance and fast track to something. And in fact, he was a rapper. He put the album out when he was 19. 
But he's in this completely different environment where he's also terrorized by all these other factors as a matter of his daily life, which he articulates so well, not only like politically and economically, but also in terms of the thrill seeking and the hedonism, but also like clinical depression and spiritual crisis. So I guess it's just like one of those cultural it's just like one of those pieces where it's like, you know, like even at this point, honestly, because I feel like such a cliche, <clears throat> I almost wish I could be in a point to say like, hey, maybe that album was overrated, but it's not. <laughs> no, I and I don't listen to it. Yeah, you know, it's it's very concise, which is important. Um, you know, there's so many things. There's so many things that's important about this album, right? One to me, it's uh, it's like a line of demarcation in the history of rap, right? Meaning, <clears throat> it's everything that came after it, specifically of New York rap, is a product of or inspired by what Nas did on that album, right? Like you could say, um. Because, you, know, you know, and we could do a quick history lesson for people. Like, of course, you know, Rapper's Delight comes out in, like, 1979 or whatever. And that's the world. That's not, like, the Bronx's introduction to hip-hop because that song actually is a, is a rip-off from one of the freestyles that um, these guys used to hear in the park, right? Like, they stole the rhyme, put it on record, put it out, whatever. That's rap to the world. And then, you know, throughout that whole history, you get the Curtis Blows, you get the Kumo Ds, you get LL and Run DMC. And that's kind of like, you know, the, the progression of rap going from this to that to this, and the style and the form is constantly progressing until you get to rock him and... Big Daddy Kane, which again, I would say is another line of demarcation, right? Yeah. There's like yeah. the metaphors and the similes and the intricacies and like the, the their rhyme patterns just became way more complicated than everything that came before. And then you could say right after them is Cool G Rap. And I think Cool, cool G Rap never gets really the, the, the recognition and the credit that he deserves, but he's the bridge between Rakim and Nas. It's Cool G right. Rap. And I think even well, Nas literally. tell you that. Literally, I mean, he. In fact, I'm I'm forgetting the name of it, but him and him and Nas have, and I don't actually remember when. I feel like the single probably came out maybe before Elmatic, but maybe after. But they have this, they have like a real vintage mid '90s like gangster rap song together, like mafia rap, New York style, and yeah, I mean, Cool G Rap is is one of the mentors of, of Nas in definitely, yeah. yeah. It, and so, like, the reason why Illmatic is important is because, again, like, everything that flows out of it, I don't care if it's ready to die, I don't care if it's reasonable doubt, everything that flows out of New York City rap after that from people who, quote-unquote, want to be taken serious in the rap game is is from that album, right, and that moment, and just the the range and the clarity, and like you said, the specificity of what he was saying, like, it's like a movie, it's like you're walking right next to this dude, and his wordplay, and it's just like, nobody had ever heard anything like this, and it shows because, you know, this is a neophyte in the rap game, and everybody was lining up to work with this kid simply because they heard one verse on Live at the Barbecue. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Main source live at the barbecue, which is the hip hop world's introduction to Nas and everybody to a man heard that verse was like, 
Who the hell is this person? Who is this kid? Check this shit out. Stop that tape. Stop that tape. Let me formally introduce my boy. This is my man, the rapper Nas, Nasty Nas. Queens, you know what I'm saying? I'm a fucking Nas. Hey, yo, check this shit out. Roll that tape. Roll that tape. Roll that tape. Queens, turn that shit up. Turn that shit up. That goes from Large Professor to, uh, you know, uh, Jesus, DJ Premier. You know what I'm saying? Q-tip. Q-tip. Uh, we're missing, we're missing one person. Um, Jesus Christ. What is it? Large Professor, Q-tip, Q-tip, and she Search actually still right. MC Search did more. Yeah, Search, then, uh, Search was the executive producer of that. Search album. was the executive producer. Yeah, but the the last producer you're thinking it's uh, LES. It's the last no. producer. One more producer, Pete Rock. Jesus oh, yeah, Pete Christ, Rock. My, my memory is just that, so. That's shocking. actually one of the only critics and DJ Premier. Did we already say DJ yeah, Premier? We said Premier. Okay. Did uh, I feel like that's actually one of the only criticisms of that album. And this is much more like hip hop nerd stuff. I definitely, I think on the political level, you know, and the, and the social and just the kind of like American art level, you got to check this out in the same way that you should honestly, I don't know, read catcher in the old rye or watch the Sopranos or whatever. Um, but, uh, some people don't like the trend it set of, the albums with like a, you know, like basically a bunch of, bunch of producers instead of like one concise vision. What's interesting. I mean, what's weird is it works on Illmatic because it's so concise. It's just like different flavors of a persona. So I think Nas had a clarity of vision of what yeah, he wanted it, to put out there. Right. Like right. as an artist, as a, right. you know, as a, he was like 17, 18 when he made this shit, right? Like Insane. just to, just to have that clarity of vision of what you wanted to say, how you wanted to present your, your thoughts, your vision, you know what I mean? Your ideas to the world. Like he was so clear in what, how he wanted to do that. And I think the, the album is served by that clarity. Uh, but again, you know what I'm saying? I just think, and, and and this is the thing, everybody after Nas, like you had to work with these, this, not that Primo wasn't a legend already, but it was like, now nah, I need to have a Primo beat on my album. 
Right. right? Like, I have to. If if my album's going to be taken seriously, like, you know, Illmatic just set the standard. And it's just so crazy because it's hard for people to understand these days, especially some of the younger people who might be listening to us where, you know, this is a cassette tape and record player era, right? Oh. Like, the way this music traveled might be through some college radio station because even I don't even think in 1994 that Hot 97 had gone to full hip hop as a format yet. They were a dance music station. They played shit like Paul Abdul, right? right? Like Hot 97 or just a hip hop station as a format. The concept of a hip hop station, it had actually what's crazy. A lot of people don't know the the concept of a hip hop station, all hip hop 24 seven format, started in L.A. I mean, started in the West Coast. I think it started in the Bay. Where, yeah, I feel like it started. That's an Oakland thing, King right? Tech and Sway. Yes, they, these yeah. are the first people. They started out on the West Coast first, which, you know, whatever New York, it, it happens. <laughs> but you know, just the concept of Hot ninety seven as being a station that plays nothing but rap all day, every day. That hadn't even been a thing. Like this music had to travel a bit more organically, and this. Dude, like there was a groundswell about this kid and this album and like he's like this hip hop prodigy. I, I don't even know what to compare this to right now. Right. Like this, like everything gets out as soon as it's a thing. Right. It's all over right. Instagram. It's all over the Internet. You're going to be able to find it like this thing was like, you know, some like little secret, like people whispering like, yo, there's this kid named Nas who's supposed to be dropping the greatest hip hop album ever. And then he fucking delivers this album and everybody to a man is absolutely blown away by what he put out um as a moment there's very few moments in the history of this genre of this culture that can even compare to what illmatic is you know just as a moment like as it's significant to Nas as a character is you know it's incredible man he's he's absolute legend there's no two ways about it i just the last thing i want to say i mean I, you know we talked about it and the you know his Kanye project was, you know, overall definitely did not stand up and we'll see what happens next. Obviously I'm always going to listen to what Nas puts out, but I would say, uh, you know, he always puts the, even his like biggest failures. I think he always has these nuggets. Like, you know, Nas is like, is in the mate, like that's up there as one of the best, oh, like such a great right? incredible record the other day. And yeah, I still listen to that all the time. And, you know, that's, I don't even, that's, I am is not a great album. Right. So in that same vein, uh, I like, I, I like, I am a lot of people aren't crazy good, about it. I enjoy it. It's a, I was really it's, young when it came out and I was really attached to it at the time. I think that's part of it. When it came out, I was listening to it a lot. So I always feel like that attachment to it. Maybe if I revisit it, I might not be like, oh, this is the most incredible piece of work. I just remember at the time being obsessed with songs like Dr. Knockboot or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not bad. I'm just saying, like, we can, you know, we kind of know. And and I think some of yeah, Nas's but, albums. Yeah, Nas is like sticks out, though, for sure. Yeah, Nas is like sticks. And I would say similarly, and I think it's already kind of been this way, but like, Adam and Eve is in a great record. Like that yeah. track to me is impeccable. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the, the joint some, with Scarface, I love. I mean, yeah, like yeah. I, I, I like I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, yeah, the the twenty fifth anniversary. It's it's incredible. Um, this album belongs in the Smithsonian and not just the black Smithsonian, which by the way, I would recommend every single American go to that museum in DC. Um, one of the most life affirming experiences I've ever had. 
was going to that museum. It's it's like freaking incredible. Um, a Haitian lady curated it, which I also thought was fire. Um, but no, that album belongs in the Smithsonian, um, the National Archives, ever, anything. Like this thing is an artifact, an achievement of human history as far as I'm concerned, bro. Oh, without a doubt. One little thing, too, before we moved on. I, j- I did want to touch on um, the Nas, the history of Illmatic and stuff. I was, I was, you know, I was like two when it came out. But I was watching this uh, documentary series on Netflix, Hip Hop Evolution. I don't know if you guys, you guys have seen it. Yeah, I've, I've caught a few episodes of that. I think it's fantastic. It won a Peabody oh, okay. Award. It, has, it won an international Emmy. It's it's a great eight episodes or whatever. Um, if, you know, anybody out there listening is a hip hop fan, definitely check it out. It starts from the early, late. 70s origins of hip-hop in the Bronx mixing all the way up through you know the gangster rap era of the early 90s um, they're supposed to do more episodes you know going through the 90s into the 2000s and stuff but if you want a real 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 nice you know uh, 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 it doesn't touch everything but it you know it hits the big names you know Big Daddy Kane LL Cool J Grandmaster Flash it goes through the history of hip-hop you know and it, and it touches on Nas's album and how important you know that album was uh, not only for for bridging the gap between the old school and the new new school as we saw him being a forefather and that but also uh, uh like how Waz was saying how, how a lot of the hip-hop distribution and stuff kind of changed with Illmatic you know going from you know the tapes and not everything was you know directly on these on these old uh old records anymore so so Nas's album is really really instrumental in a lot of things so definitely check that out hip-hop evolution on Netflix it's dope and uh no promo code on this one this one's free of charge for you guys this on a Wednesday, the Attorney General of the United, these United States of America appeared in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee today. He had to testify about the freaking summary that he wrote <laughs> after his office received the Mueller report. Mind you, this is maybe like hours after this ridiculously thick document had come out. So, okay, so we want to do a recap of what what happened. This guy, William Barr, put out a summary after the Mueller report came out stating, basically, Donald Trump has completely been exonerated. There's no basis for obstruction. There's no basis for um, collusion. There's no basis for anything. Donald Trump is a completely and utterly innocent man. This whole thing was a witch hunt, yada, 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 yada. Let's move on with our lives. Like, And he was saying that that's, what, that's the words that were represented within the Mueller report report. Of course, he testifies today. He hadn't actually read the report. (laughs) He did like the summary that he sent to people. He didn't make sure that any of the facts that he was representing in the summary that he put his name on had actually been corroborated or had any evidence backing it. He basically said, I came out and sold the American people a whole pile of bullshit about something extremely important. Whatever. We knew this at the time. Um, we know it now. He basically said in public, like, yeah, that shit I said to the American people was complete and utter bullshit. Um, whatever. Obviously, this is grounds for dismissal, impeachment. He should resign immediately. He's derelict of his duties. Um, you know, this is this is a guy who basically got this job because he wrote a, an opinion um somewhere 
but uh, I think it was like last year that there's no basis for the the Mueller investigation because the president of the United States basically can't commit a crime. <laughs> Essentially, right. Donald right. Trump hears about this is like, oh shit, I think I found my next attorney general. Uh, again, some background for William Barr. He was, you know, he was Ali Norfinem's attorney during the Iran Contra scandal where the Reagan administration sold miss- missiles to the Mullahs in. <laughs> In Iran, so fund, that, to fund squads in Nicaragua. Squads in Nicaragua. Uh-huh. Again, it's just it just the the way these people just are able to recycle themselves and do what they do is incredible. But you know, we're not really here to talk about the substance of this guy's um, testimony this afternoon because you honestly, you guys can go read it for yourselves and you'll be like, okay, this is complete and utter hogwash and bullshit. There's nothing for me and Mike to explain to you here. But I just want to revisit, again, because we're back in the election cycle, right? Like, this stuff matters. The way the mainstream media basically presented what this guy had to say as a statement of fact, right? Like, never mind that he's so clearly a lackey. Never mind that this administration has done every single person who's been handpicked by this administration, whenever they've come out in public and had to speak to anything having to do with the administration, they've either lied or, you know, muddied the truth or whatever. This guy comes out and completely exonerates uh, Donald Trump before anybody has read the report, before we know he's read the report and the media basically presented what this guy had to say as facts, right? Like as truth, like any other, they didn't even present it as like, all right, now look, this is the reputation of what the, this is what this guy's saying, but here's what else you need to know about what he's saying. They basically ran it unopposed, you know, and allowed this guy to muddy the waters as far as the conversation and the discourse goes. Who knows how many people out there were just vaguely paying attention? It's like, oh, shit, the attorney general said the president has been exonerated of all wrongdoing. Let's move on with our lives. And it's not even it doesn't annoy me because of this one specific incident, because obviously this is annoying and it's stupid. But honestly, a lot of polls came out directly afterwards. And even right now where people are like, no, this shit is not resolved just because this guy said that they weren't able to do it. Like his intended vision of what he, he wanted to get out there didn't actually wasn't able to take hold in the way that some other things might. But it's just the idea that they would run this guy's comments, his statement, his summary, like like it's nothing as if these people deserve the benefit of the doubt, right? And it just reminds me of everything they fuck up with, whether it was Bernie and socialism in the last campaign, Hillary's emails, um, poo-pooing Donald Trump's just straight criminal behavior throughout the entire rest of his life to chase gossip and shit. It's like they haven't learned their lesson from 2016, Mike. Well, I mean, I think I think that's it's I think that's true in a lot of ways. I mean there's a lot to disentangle here, and I want to – look, I want to have a – you know, I should have a little bit of a – I don't know if I need to have a mea culpa because, you know, I was very pissed when the summary of the Mueller report came out, and I share – like I stand by my criticisms of how – you know, I mean, look, the easiest example, how somebody like Rachel Maddow, who is, has just been ludicrous – You know, even still in how she's covered Russia and, you know, the conspiracy theorizing and the melodrama and the obsession at the expense of everything else um, is still, to me, a really big problem. Now, on the flip. So, you know, 
I'm still able to say, like, I still think, you know, a Matt Taibbi's critique of the media, to me, most of it still stands, right, in terms of how it was um, used by people in positions, you know, people around the Clinton campaign, people around MSNBC, that kind of world who don't want to do any type of internal analysis or deal with anything. They just want a boogeyman to offload all their problems, right? Now, on the flip side, and that, and, you know, Part of, and again, I say this all the time. Like, look, if I was on Meet the Press every day, you better believe I would talk about Donald Trump a lot more because Donald Trump is the prime threat to human survival, right? It just so happens that, you know, in the media circles, like when you're in the media space that I'm in, the influence and the platform is more about shaping a broader future and like the really urgent changes that need to happen, as an example, inside the Democratic Party, right? Like Bernie Sanders, not Joe Biden, for fuck's sake. Um, but on the other hand, man, I think the only other two points that are interesting to me, though, is right out of the gate, what a lot of what like everybody got wrong so far is that even though it was reported credulously by the press for a couple of weeks, like you're saying. It's still – even before the report was released and the other big thing that came out was Bob Mueller literally himself saying like – You misrepresented my words. You misrepresented my report. Um, it already, according to the polls, was bad for Trump. And that goes back to my original position, which is like I don't want – you know, warmongering with Russia. I don't want conspiracy theories. I don't want melodrama. I don't want, you know, not focusing on income inequality or corporate power at the expense of Russia. But I also am totally down for anything that delivers body blows to Republicans and Trump. So great. It did. Even with that letter. And that leads me to kind of the third thing, though, which is that, you know, I always said, man, we said the same shit. We have said this shit for a long time. Certainly, you know, Sam, it's like, look, this is not Maturian candidate. It's Goodfellas. And if you look at the report, like, again, a big Baroque conspiracy. Yeah, I don't think that that's there. But the basic concept that this dude is fishing for deals in Russia and is obviously an you know a totally immoral avarice corrupt person and then there was clearly efforts to cover some shit up it's just undebatable it's, there, it's right there yeah for see for me like i don't really care about that part right like right. um you know it, it like when people when it comes to the bar summary or even the Mueller report itself when people wanted to celebrate that Mueller decided he's going to leave it up to the U.S. government to do its job, he didn't want to put his name behind, you know, quote unquote, taking down this presidency. He was like, look, there's enough shit here for y'all to get this guy out right. of here. Um, right. People saw that as a victory. I mean, I saw that as like, OK, that makes sense to me. That's fine. That's a, that's actually somebody having their cake and eating it, too. It's like I'm not going to do the work, but I'm. Put the shit. I put enough you shit on your plate presidents. for you to eat. Like that's usually true. That's you know true. Like he, you don't indict presidents. You know, like that's not how it's done. He, he's just like, look, I yeah. put enough food on the table, y'all. Y'all could eat if y'all really right. wanted to. Um, right. that's not really my point. I, I think mm -hmm. my my problem with the bar thing. The reason why it grinds my gears. 
specifically when you think about what James Comey did to Hillary Clinton, yeah. it's like the way that thing was reported right, is nothing like how the bar thing was reported. Meaning if Hillary, let's just say this was Hillary Clinton's presidency right? and Hillary Clinton's handpicked attorney general who had already said that she's innocent before. I, I don't even need to see the results of this report. She's innocent. Hillary Clinton picked that person. And that person who's now in charge of the um, Justice Department comes out Hours after this report is issued and exonerates Hillary Clinton. What the fuck do you think the New York Times would have did with that? Right. Definitely. Like, there's just no way they would have handled it this way. The Washington, none of them would have done that. I, and my problem is not Hillary Clinton. It's like they only do this for Republicans. This is my problem. They just, they, it's, it's like their automatic crouch position. Their default position is to suck up to these motherfuckers. It doesn't matter how low down and dirty they are. It's just their default. Like, I'm t- the New York Times, the liberal bastion, blah, blah, blah. What? Hillary Clinton's um, freaking AG come out and say that bullshit in front of a bunch of cameras. And they just going to be like, well, that's what that's what the AG said. You crazy. Nobody would have did that for her. Well, and I don't think they the right, the right for decades what the right has done. I mean, you know, it's, and people have been saying it's not my phrase, but, you know, they've worked the reps. Oh, my God. It, Find and bitched and complained. And everybody wants to be seen as I'm punching the liberals. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's the other big, right? I think I think you have this confluence of, of really big problems, right? Because one, first of all, there is action, and it's changing a little bit, obviously, with the proliferation of show of like, basically like independent media, you know, like the space we're in, right? So there are some actual, though, obviously we don't have like, corporations and oligarchs funding us. But you do have, like in this country, you know, you have Fox News, obviously. You have handsomely funded as just like a return on investment from corporations and wealthy individuals, a extreme far-right media apparatus that is beamed into people's homes, internet, phones, AM stations, like relentlessly lying and propagandizing for the Republican Party and for right-wing politics every second of the day. Then you have a mainstream, quote-unquote, mainstream media who, you know, on one hand, you know, the right has whined and bitched and lied about, and it's like they're not left at all. In fact, on, you know, economic issues and on issues that affect working people. I mean, look at how they covered trade agreements. Trade agreements are terrible for most normal working people, particularly, you know, in places like the industrial Midwest, where a kid isn't being sent off to do an NPR internship, most likely. Those agreements that were pushed forward by the Clinton Democrats and the Republicans are terrible, that people like Bernie Sanders were resisting. And they would get, you know, they would be written off by the New York Times. It's like, oh, you don't understand how the economy works. And sure, okay, they're you know they're going to be less homophobic, right? Which is important, but it doesn't mean you're liberal. It just means that you have a different social you know uh, understanding, right? And so then you know you have that, and then all of those same people have that addiction to proving that they're not biased, to proving that they understand the other side. And then, you know, again, like the problem with the Clintons is the Clintons put people like us in the position where 
they're lied about constantly. They're held to a double standard, no doubt. Like it's in, like, look, Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump, and she's talked about as the corrupt one is fucking insane. Like that's one for the record books. At the same time, the Clintons are fucking incredibly disgusting and have all sorts absolutely. Of so you're so if you but have, you don't you get as much that, points when you're MSNBC or the New York Times and pointing out Donald Trump shit than you do Hillary Clinton or you don't feel as good about well, yourself. Well, now you do have you know now I feel like MSNBC. It's weird because you know MSNBC is like a new beast because it's never going to be as relentless and systemic as Fox News. And it's still corporate owned, which means that it's never going to be that left. And it's got the obsession with all of the never Trump Republicans and all that bullshit. But on the other hand, that is like a real conservative corporate Democrat, mostly not all, but mostly like propaganda network. Right. So their programming is all about Donald Trump is a big jerk. And, you know, what's the new Democratic flavor of the month with a new proposal for like tax credits? But that hasn't really existed before. And I don't think the appeal is that deep because, you know, in cable news in general, the populations aren't replenishing themselves. You know, the viewership is is pretty old for all of them. But again, you know, New York Times, Washington Post, fucking CNN, like these people have enormous, incredible reach to, quote unquote, moderate voters, moderate people. Right. Right. Um, And when they just count, when they twist themselves in knots to call the biggest liar ever a fucking liar, it just it does nobody any favors. Right. You know, and this bar thing, it's like when he just like this man just came out and said, I fed the country a bunch of bullshit. Yes, that is what I did. Yes. And what? It's just like, do you people not feel disgusted by yourselves, dude? <laughs> like, no, it's they don't. incredible to me. Like, it's just what it's not like it's not a miracle to me because I don't expect anything from William fucking Barr. Right. Like, I don't expect him to be better than what he is. Obviously, he's a career hack. Obviously, he's a hatchet job bag man, Republican since 30 plus years now. He's been on that on that job, on that beat. We get that. We get what he's here, to, what purpose he's here to serve. But these other institutions are supposed to be better and they posture as if they are. And right. they constantly fuck the easiest things up, you know, <laughs> like constantly being like, look. Trump's handpicked AG just came like all of the people who have ever been handpicked by Donald Trump have been nothing but sickle fans. Right. Why should this guy be treated any different? This is not like deductive reasoning or logic. This is just like easy. This is so easy. You know what I'm saying? It's and looking it's, at what's right in front of your face. I mean, and, and again, and, and it's important because again, the campaign is rolling along and the role these idiots play in delivering information, reliable, credible information is a huge one. Right. And that's why this shit just, just, it's just like, yo, bruh, like, what do you think? And, you know, God bless Bernie Sanders. You know what I'm saying? Like he has studied these motherfuckers. He knows what they're going to say before they even think of it. <laughs> okay. Right. He is so adept at it by now. 
But when he when his campaign first started, they would come with some bullshit during debates, during town halls, which is just like, why are you asking me this bullshit question trying to purposely trip me up? Because I'm a I'm a I'm a politician who cares about workers, you know, and you, well, you try know, to frame what I'm about. You know what a good example of this is was actually just real quick is because, you know, I I agree 100 percent with Bernie about universal voting rights. Everybody in this country should right. vote. Yeah, yeah. This, and this is perfect, Mike. This, this is perfect, perfect. right? Yeah. And you look at, you know, especially, I mean, look, you have fucking congressional districts that count prisoners to up their representation levels and the prisoners can't vote. It's a disgusting injustice. And Bernie, of course, like— I mean, we all know that a vast majority of people in prison shouldn't even be there to begin with. But of course, CNN is going to take the most obscene example, like the Boston Marathon uh, bomber, to try to make him. By the way, if he's a U.S. citizen, sure, let him vote. Right. Right? Like, no, I don't, I, and I don't so even understand the concept that, that this one kid at, shouldn't vote. Exactly, and then look at but let but then like cornball hack Cory Booker comes out and goes. <laughs> Oh well, I'm interested in you know keeping poor brown and black folks out of prison, not in giving the Boston Marathon bomber the right to vote. Like if that's Bernie's thing, that's his that's thing. That's just and a that, sick, stupid pivot. Sick, stupid pivot. And he and what's amazing is that even though it's dressed in like the woke language, that is showing oh, you that Cory Booker is a fraud. Role for any right wing talking point ever. Of course. And I'm glad we're we're on the subject of hack politicians, by the way. Um, and not just you know what? I, I will not call Joe Biden a hack. I think he's past his prime. I think he needs to give it up. <laughs> I don't want to say he's been a hack politician his whole life, right? Like, you know, he, he he's somebody who in the past has fought for stuff that helped the working people of Delaware. Cool. What though? What? Cool. I mean, I don't know. You'd have to tell yeah, me. You'd have to ask I'm, tell you, man, I'm not necessarily going to call him a hack because I do think he's got serious political skill. And I've always you know, thought he was by the, the way, those, You already got a union endorsement. You know what I'm saying? Like those yeah, people, for whatever reason, love Joe Biden. Voting for every single trade agreement that hurt people and ushering through. Look it up, man. This bankruptcy bill that he wrote and pushed through the Congress and signed by George W. Bush that the whole reason Elizabeth Warren built her national profile fighting against this. And Joe Biden, like, if you know a family that's going bankrupt because of a medical emergency or something like this, which is over 90% of bankruptcies, or if you're a student drowning in student loans, hello, hi, uh, and you can't get out of them, that's thanks to Joe Biden's bill. They used to call him the senator from the credit card industry. So no. Yeah, <laughs> not no, real. And again, those people love him. I don't know. Don't yeah. ask me why. Those hard scrabble people from his his district, his well, state, like charisma. they love him. He's got. He's got. Look, the last thing I'll say, real quick, man. I want your thought on this. I feel like Joe Biden is the worst person <laughs> for people, not necessarily like us, to be frank. Because I think we strive, and I think you are particularly good at like getting your head out of your own space. But right. when you're in these, like, particularly like, you know, the Brooklyn lefty media bubble, it's like, 
the <laughs> way the way Biden is charming is not relatable to those people at all. And we, and we all know that he has an absolutely horrible record from a rock to credit cards to Anita Hill. So we don't like him. But I've been saying from the beginning, like, look, like he's not for you. Bro, for he hold on, normal hold on. voters. This dude has a lot of appeal. And that's a problem. Yeah. And, you know, we're not even going to talk about he did the eulogy at Strom Thurmond's funeral. Right. <laughs> what the or fought or fought for school segregation in the seventies. I mean, the Jesus Christ, the worst. But you know, here's the thing, Mike. Um, he probably has the money, but this is like his fifth campaign since '88, and the guy sucks at it. Right. He just does. He's disorganized. He doesn't like being on the trail. He's a bad campaigner. He sucks at it. And, you know, the idea that he's going to have to answer for a lot of shit that he's been behind in this climate, he going to get fish filleted, boy. I'm telling you. <laughs> I hope you're right. I'm telling you, bro. Right. And that's if he even makes it to the finish line, man. I, you know, I think a lot of this is honestly vanity. I don't think this guy actually thinks he has it in him to do this shit. Um, I think a lot of it is just like, whatever, man. I know I got a base level of love out there. Let me go flex my muscles real quick on these cats. I don't actually think Joe Biden thinks he can carry this thing on through to the nominate, to the, to the, not just the nominate, to the election. Yo, <laughs> nah, son. I hope so. I don't I see right. it for him, man. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Hey, I can we, you know, go ahead, go ahead. him come out with these poll numbers and shit. I don't know. I, but um, I know the poll numbers is making everybody's stomach turn because again, he's got the of of everybody. He's got the make the biggest name recognition because he was Obama's vice president for eight years. Of right. course, right now in April of 2019, he's got the biggest name recognition. I wouldn't be get too crazy just because that that's the case. You know, um, I, I you know I don't I don't take any stock in that. I think he can get his ass whooped. You know, and right. especially and especially because, you know, that centrist lane is, is getting even more crowded now, Mike. That's what I like. I want those centrists to split the votes amongst each other. You oh, know without what I'm a doubt. I mean, like, look, when it comes I think to Kamala, when it comes to Cory Booker, Joe Biden. But the I mean, also, though, I just want to say, like, we only have one more second left. Man, Pete Buttigieg really sucks. And if you like him, you're being whack. He's horrific. He, he is horrific. I have a question for you legitimately. I did this as a cheap laugh line on my show, but I almost mean it because he did the customary like – and my god, it's just like wow. Like we're not – like he did the whole like, oh, well, I'm a Democrat, so I'm going to do my pilgrimage to meet Al Sharpton and pretend I care about civil rights thing. I swear to God from watching that interaction, <laughs> was this the only other black man he ever interacted with besides the <laughs> chief he fired? Of course. <laughs> of course. And of course, at the little town hall when Anderson Cooper is like, and again, Anderson Cooper ain't exactly, you know, some kind of drill sergeant here. No. bro. He's just like, do you stand for anything? Like what? What do you stand for? Like what are your platforms? Like what? Like what? 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 What are you here to do? Like what is your? What are you here? What purpose are you here to serve? Like what are you here to do for people, bro? Well, I mean, I, I just want people to know basically what my values are. The like, again, and we talked about this on the show, Mike. 
when it comes to a guy like Beto or Pete, like they literally they got they took all the wrong lessons from Barry's um campaign in 08. Right? No, like, they took definitely. all the wrong lessons. It's like, no, bro, you gotta have a crazy ground game. You gotta have your tech in order, but you have to have a unifying message. Barry's shit was healthcare. I wanna give people healthcare. That's it. That's it. The healthcare system is bullshit. I want all Americans to have healthcare. People rally. Like, they're like, these it's also people. Like, look, it's also like, look, you're not Barack Obama. Like, I'll say this a million times. <laughs> and I think I have a lot of credibility as somebody who, you know, does not shy from criticizing the Obama record where I think it needs to be criticized. But it's like, guys, like, you are not Barack Obama. Yeah, like, but the it, thing it, is, Mike, they think he won his charisma. But it's, they don't have, have that shirt. They do not have Pete Buttigieg is a fucking robot, and Beto O'Rourke comes off like he's on like you know some type of Adderall high. Barack, people forget, and it's amazing that I'm the one to remind them <laughs> that Barack Obama had like charisma. Yeah. Give, I mean, please. Pete Buttigieg. I mean, come yes. on. <laughs> Let's be serious. He, he's, he's got the, the, the charisma of a Hanes tidy whitey, my boy. That's exactly. Thank you. <laughs> it, it, that's just, hey, Rob, how come this show never has dings, by the way? I don't think we do dings anymore. Do that we should we be a do ding. dings on bomb. That's just a, I do dings on the regular bomb. I don't I, I do dings on woke when it's uh when it's appropriate. You guys, you guys, you know, have little dingers, but I kind of just let y'all. Okay, that's do good. Um, oh, so, so Rob underproduces us. So, okay. I, I, oh, by the way, <laughs> you know, in the coming weeks, Mike, I've been getting fielding a lot of questions about the Andrew Yang cat. Oh, I mean, oh, no, no, but I, I think we should do. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about him. Because I remember yeah. when when I came up to your show, you guys actually had an, an interesting, di- quick dialogue about what he's trying to do, and that I thought was interesting. Um, he's like playing this double game. Um, that yeah, I that that, so. that I thought was interesting, and I think we can tag because you know the campaign is starting to roll along. Obviously, there's like 50 people in the field, and we're gonna try to touch on the important people. Julio, Julio, Julian Castro ain't one of them. Yeah, but well, um, he's trash. Um, we're gonna get into that. There's gonna be that's a- all you need to know, by the way. He's trash. Wow. Fuck him. He's trash. <laughs> Exactly. But as always, man, obviously make sure you're subscribing and rating to the Black Opinions Matter feed. Of course, TMBS, you need to be subscribed and listening and rating that. The Patreon of TMBS, the Patreon of Count the Dings. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. I know it's a lot of freaking subscriptions and whatever, but it's fun. It's worth it. And it's not too expensive, I don't think. Uh, Anything else we got, Rob? That should be it. Chicago Live Show coming up in a couple weeks. Make sure you get the tickets. TMBS. Subscribe. Yep. Subscribe to uh, TMBS, Michael Brooks Show. All the great stuff Michael Brooks and the gang has over there. The Athletic. And uh, that'll do it. I'm sending some. All right. Peace and love. Yeah. All right. Talk to you guys soon. kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.